morning. Amen. It's a beautiful day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we have every reason to rejoice and be glad in it. He is so faithful and so good. And we've been enjoying such such a precious time of worship, and it just it's it's already preached my preach. But maybe there's a few pointers that I can add. So thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your goodness. And we are trusting you to go even deeper in this time. And I'd like to chat to you a little bit about what are you practicing? What are you practicing? That is the title of my message. And we'll get into it in a, in a minute or two. But yeah, it, it's basically following along the line of what the Lord's been um, just stirring in our hearts, challenging us with in terms of thinking like Him, accessing His actual thoughts for problem solving, for creativity. And this is going to focus a little bit on, on what causes us not to think like God or not to access His thoughts. Um, so not a focal point on that, but I'm going to give you a couple of tips on, hey, what, what do some of those obstacles look like and how are we going to overcome them? And I've also got some, some help today helping me. We'll get to them in a minute. What I'd like to do is um, start off. You can turn to Romans 8. We're going to camp in Romans 8 today. or well, that's going to be the main portion of Scripture. The other references I'm going to touch on, you can just note them if you're taking notes or feel free to ask me afterwards. But we're going to go to Romans 8 and read from verse 4 through to 17. All right. This is going to just set the basis for what I'm going to share with you today. Okay, so you can page and scroll. Romans 8. And picking up from verse 4. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. Okay, this is the Passion Translation. And it goes on to say, And we are free to live... Not according to our flesh, but the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. All right, now verse 5, 6, 7, and 8 is talking more about the flesh. Here we go. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. And it's quite interesting. If you look at the Aramaic translation of verse 5, um, it reads like this, those who are in the flesh see him only in the flesh, but those who are in the spirit see him in the spirit. So this is going to, as we go on. Okay, verse 6, for the sense and reason of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. Just pause there a moment. So if we think what pleases God, faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what's contending against faith here? Um, our flesh, it's not submitting. We don't want to go with God's plan. There's this war, okay, which means there's not faith in my heart or your heart where, they, where there's a struggle in context. Okay, the next couple of verses speak about our spirit, verse 9 to 13. Here we go. But when the spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. And if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. I'll pause there quickly. This was being written to a Christian church, the church in Rome. 
with love from Paul. There's a caution there. If you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. Okay, verse 10. Now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. So then, verse 12, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But if the life of the spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste his abundant life. Awesome. Now we're going up a notch. The next couple of verses speak about maturity. Okay, verse 14 to 17. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And verse 17, and since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. And there's a cool little nugget there I'll share later. So this is just giving us a little bit of an idea. You know what? There's this thing called the flesh, all right? And it's actually where we're being carnally minded. We're thinking in our humanness. Now, God gave us a brain to think. We'll talk about it in a moment. But this is where I'm only governed from that place. And that, in the next couple of verses, 9 to 13... Sorry, in these initial verses, that's where the struggle lies, okay? Is where I'm thinking like a human, and I need to actually be thinking like God, and that's where the comes in, all right? And the next couple of verses about the Spirit are where we are actually yielded to the point, or to the Holy Spirit, to the point where that struggle starts to actually subside. That first verse um, about the Spirit, verse 9, spoke about being joined, Right? And then the last bit about maturity, the ones that follow the impulses of the Spirit. Have I so learned to hear the Holy Spirit of God leading me that my life is like just in response to the Spirit? Yes, it's a journey and we're all in a different place. We're all growing. It's cool. But it's really important to realize a lot of our struggle is because we are stuck over here. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to just introduce my, my co um uh, preachers today, this is Nugget. You will see it's a well-loved toy from the children's church. I try to clean it with a, with a wipe, but mm, okay. Nugget. And this is Neil C. Neil C because he's got like a cute naughty face and we felt Neil C was the most appropriate name. So Neil C and Nugget are going to chat a little bit with us. So basically, we accept Christ into our lives and we say, yes, come and be my saviour, Jesus. And that seals the deal. We're going to heaven and then we think, awesome. (laughs) 
and then a lot of struggle seems to follow. And that's because we've just made Jesus our Savior and not our Lord and Master, as we sang this morning. Okay, so basically, um, we get saved. I'm going to just illustrate something. Watch with me. So we get saved, and the God of the universe comes to live inside of us, right? He is this big, but we have to grow into all that he is. Okay, so you've got this visual, right? But what we tend to do is the opposite. And we go, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you are my savior. And we make this our spirit, and then we keep using this big brain of ours over here to try and live the life he meant us to live in the spirit. So we kind of confuse that a little bit. Okay, so we're a little bit too much of Nielsen, a little bit too little of Nugget. It's actually the other way around. When we invite him in, we have access to all that he is and all that he has. Got it? Good. Okay. Now, what de determines the difference about where we're drawing from is what we're partnering with. And that starts over here. Sean said it this morning. It starts as a thought and then it begins to become an action. It starts to infiltrate our words and our actions. So there's, there's a big connection with what's going on here and how that influences if we're drawing from Nugget or Nielsey. Okay. Um, I want you to clear this with me. I am powerful. I get to choose. And every time you are choosing, don't, don't, don't copy that. Every time you're choosing, you are actually practicing something. And who knows that you're going to get really good at whatever you're practicing. Whatever that might be. Okay. Now, now choosing, partnering, uh, practicing, call it what you want. It causes growth. All right. Now, we know that our physical bodies um, grow from little tiny baby. And some of us stopped growing in grade seven, as you can see. Last time I changed shoe size was grade seven. That was the last time I could uh, do hurdles at school, right? Because some, some of us stopped growing like her. And our genes basically give us the equation for when to stop growing, all right? And our bodies still change as we get older or as we enjoy more donuts or as we cut our sugar. You know, the body, depending on like what we're putting into it or doing with it, also changes form. But basically, our bodies grow physically. Our minds grow through like things that are stimulating it, information. So we did maths at school to make sure we could get the correct change. I'm sure there's other reasons, but that too, okay? And we built puzzles um, because why? Um, if you have a look at these speakers, they've got an interesting shape. And if you didn't build puzzles as a child, you're going to battle to get the speaker in the box, I promise you. <laughs> yeah, you, you. Try it, try it. Okay. And then um, we grow in our relating as people. We fight, we flee, we freeze. Like whatever's happening, our minds grow through stimulus. Okay? What's stimulating it? But our spirits grow, we think, with revelation. Wow, we heard such a good message today. They know how to preach the word in this church. It's really meaty. And we hear these great messages and we think, I'm growing. I'm, I've got more knowledge. I'm, wow. And, you know, all it's doing is we're just pulling a Nielsen. We're pulling a Nielsen on the crowd, okay? And um, if we are not actually physically applying that information, we are not actually growing spiritually. So we can sit just Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and we can pick and choose, oh, I like that, I'll apply that and grow there. Mm. No, no. And in those areas that we don't actually work with the word in our lives, 
we're not actually practicing, we're not growing. So that thing, um, as we read in verse 9 of Romans 8, is it spoke about being joined to the anointed one, being joined to his spirit. We're actually choosing to withhold, and we're not actually partnering with Jesus and with Holy Spirit in the walk. And that's where these areas of contention comes, come in. Right. So it kind of starts there and has a bit of a domino effect. And I'd just like to highlight four things today, not so we can go, oh my word, what are, you know, what's wrong with me? No, not at all. But just to realize, oh, but maybe this is the thing that keeps tripping me up. This is something, Lord, you put in your finger on and I can surrender it to you today and say, no, Lord, you have this. You have this area. I choose to partner and join with you here because he wants us whole, healed. All right, this is the journey that we're on and he's putting his finger on it again and again and again. Are you good? Okay. Uh, let's go. I just want to make sure I haven't lost anything. Okay. So let's look at the following four obstacles. Number one, I've written down as a life not fully laid down. All right. A life not fully laid down. And we sang a little bit about that this morning, about tearing down our idols. And none of us will really consciously turn something into an idol. Right? But think about this, like whatever you're thinking about, you're actually meditating on. And if you're thinking about something, like more than anything else, you're actually making it the focus of your attention. And however unintentionally, you're turning it into potentially an idol. Something you put above God, before him, whether that's worry, whether that's a dream, anything that you're meditating on that's preoccupying you. And yes, there's space for dreams and imagination. And hey, God gave us a brain to think, people. <laughs> we must use it. He gave us an imagination to dream with him. But then what we do is we try and use this brain to make sense of things. All right. But I don't think that's in this point. No, it's not. Okay, so reeling back in. Um, we've said yes to Jesus. I said it just now, but we haven't really made him Lord. So in certain areas, we've adopted Christian behavior patterns. Oh, this is what Christians do. We go to church and we, we go to cell group and, you know, and, and, and our hearts really mean it. But, but in some areas, that's more mechanical than it is actual heart response. It's almost like that's what I've been practicing is a response. And I'm not saying that, that we, we're just always doing it from a bad heart. No, no, not at all. But some things, where, especially where we're not yielded, it's so easy to cover that up with a, with a practiced behavior and actually think we're okay. So this is just an area, you know what, as I'm preaching, just ask Holy Spirit, hey, if there's something for me, I want to take that thing today. All right, there's no condemnation, there's no, I want to scare you, I want to challenge you today. All right, the Lord has just, he's laid a table before us and we want to come and feast at it, okay. So, we use our, our mind to maybe project what might happen in the future, and if that's really worrying, then we're basically, it would be like taking a cell phone. Where is my phone? Oh, it's in my bag. It would be like taking a cell phone. And you know, Shaw was talking about those like wobbly tables earlier. You know, you get them at a restaurant and it, it's just so irritating and your coffee just mess, messes everywhere. So then you look for something, those little things they put under your coffee cups, you fold it up and you put it there under the table to stop it from wobbling, right? Now, imagine do, putting your cell phone <laughs> <laughs> under the table to stop it from wobbling. Who would, who would do that? No, no, because the cell phone is expensive. It's created for something else. You're not going to use your cell phone. It's going to get damaged, right? You're going to be like, and there goes the screen, and there you go, and then there go all your apps and your phone numbers. And A cell phone is literally everything these days, right? So we wouldn't use a cell phone to, 
stabilize a wobbly table. And yet sometimes we're, we're actually using our brain to try and figure out, oh, how are we going to get to make this work? I've, I've got this like, like point 0.1 to 27 for my dream to reach my goal or, oh my word, it's just, it's constantly just this mess and it's just, it's never going to improve. So, so I start to worry and think with my mind, oh, what plan can I make? What plan can I make? And we're not designed to solve and fix everything going on in our world with our brain. There are certain practical things, like if the grass grows, mow it. But there are certain answers that we will never get on this natural level. And when we try and do that, it starts to make us a little bit loco. Okay? We start to get stressed and with that, like an ulcer or whatever. So I'm not saying this is what everybody does. I'm generalizing, but you get my point, right? We, we start to value our own thinking above the mind of Christ that we actually have inside of us. We actually put our thoughts above the thoughts of God when we like worry or stress or you know things like that. It, it's not intentional, but that's technically what we're doing. We are believing our own thoughts above the voice of God, the word of God, the life of God, the mind of Christ. And anything we put above the Lord is actually an idol. Right? So we actually idolize our own opinion, our own thoughts, and many times it feels like, but look, I've got all this evidence to back up. I'm right. I'm really right about this because all the evidence shows. And it's really, really hard to sometimes just come to the point of saying, but, but, but Lord, I yield. I don't understand, but I yield. But in a sense, that's what we need to do. And, and maybe it's just to ask the Lord, Lord, um, am I, have I said yes to you as my savior, but I'm actually not really allowing you to be Lord of my whole life? Just show me where there is, because I'm sure we, we are sitting here because he is Lord of a lot of our life, but maybe not all. And just to ask him, Holy Spirit, show me, are there any idols I've created, whether that's with my own brain, my own ability to accomplish something, my stress, my worry, my finances, my image. Is there anything that I've put as an idol before you? And Lord, I want to lay that down. I want you to be my Lord and Master. And as hard as it might be, I'm going to choose to lay down whatever the evidence has looked like to this point in my life that makes me feel I'm justified to think what I think or feel how I feel, and I'm willing to put that down. Okay? So that's a, that's a response we can come to him. Is it's literally like a re-surrender. Brooke, I won't say her surname because I might get it wrong. Brooke L, she released a song, Re-Surrender, um, quite a while back. And it's really just the essence of, you know what, maybe it's just coming again and saying, Lord, I've just grown a bit familiar in my walk and I, I re-surrender these areas of my heart to you, Lord. Okay. Just quickly, some, some scriptures, Matthew 14, that's where Jesus is. You don't have to turn there, I'm just going to give a quick reference. That's where Jesus turns to the devil who's trying to tempt him in the desert. And he says to him, the scripture says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And that comes from really a lot further back in the Old Testament. But um, these, are the, these are the scriptures that are our pointers. 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sin before the Lord, you will be forgiven and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that cleansing, I often like to think about as, as like a restoration of innocence. You know, I've gone and I've made myself so, so clever and so capable without you, Lord. And I've just, I'm just coming back to say, Lord, sorry. Sorry where I made my, my mind or my thoughts more important than yours in my life. And forgive me. And then he can come and can cleanse and can bring me to that place of innocence again. Of just being able to trust. Just a, an exchange. I, I, I bring this to you and thank you that you cleanse and forgive me. And for a freshness and a newness again. So I'm just giving you pointers as we, as we recognize, oh yeah, maybe that's in my life. You don't have to live with that. You don't have to camp there. This is your, this is your tool to get out. Okay. Point number two, core values versus high values. 
core values versus high values. All right, these are just anything that could minimize our, our, our spirit capacity. Okay, so a high value would be Jehovah Jireh, my provider, you know. Thank you, Lord, your grace is sufficient for me. So that could be financial, that could be, I'm being so patient today, hey, 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 you know, I haven't hooted at anyone. And hmm. So that's my high value. I know, I know God provides. I know he's good and I know he provides. But my core value has maybe been a little bit messed up because I was really trusting him to come through for me in a situation and he didn't come through like I expected him. And I feel like it's, it's hard to trust you, God. It's really hard to trust you, Lord, because I, I really needed you to come through and you didn't do it the way that I needed you to do it. And I, I'm battling to trust you because you didn't come through like I thought. So I know the scripture is good and true, but some way that's my high value. It's, it's, it's got a high value in my life. But what the, what's happening in my core is, mm, I don't know if I can trust the Lord and that sabotages my, my absolute trust and belief in him. So maybe it's just to go and to say, but Lord, where, where in my life is there something that I'm believing that's not 100% true about you? Maybe I just lacked perspective for the situation, and I've just got to lay that before you, Lord. All right. Where, where something like this happens, where, and it happens a lot of times, I think, when the Lord doesn't answer us like we expect him, or something happens and it's like, Lord, how could you let that happen? Remember, God's not in control. He's in charge, right? And so bad stuff happens to good people. We'll get there in a minute, okay? But God doesn't answer my prayer or stuff doesn't work out like I expected. Um, and then somewhere there's maybe a bit of fear or insecurity or I think, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to figure this out. You know, the Lord's not coming through for me, so I have to make a plan. And then the pride comes in or there's confusion, hopelessness. Many times this is where something like this comes in is I'm disappointed, it didn't work out like I expected, and I'm disappointed, and it invites things in that start to actually sabotage these high values, these, these important values that we have. You know, it, it's, it's no longer something that really is inside of my bone and my marrow because I had a bad experience, and it's to take that to the Lord and to, and to say, okay, we'll, we'll get to something about that later. Um, just a caution, like it, it can make us double-minded. So we, so we say we believe, but in our heart, mm, and James speaks about the danger of being double-minded. It says that, that that creates instability. That kind of a man is unstable. It creates this instability. And I think we touched on some of those things which Shaul was just mentioning after worship about that wobbly table. So the Lord's been restoring, and maybe there are things you recognize he did in your heart during worship that I'm preaching about now. Awesome. Okay, that's great. Um, but... Um, the, the double-minded man, there is instability in his life and he cannot expect to receive. Because it's almost like, I think the Lord is really careful to reinforce like a, a wonky value system in our lives. You know, he wants us to be able to trust him with our whole hearts and he, and he gives us room for what that journey looks like. Okay. So when something like that comes in, you know, guard your heart when God doesn't answer how you expect him, like the time frame, maybe the answer looks totally different, maybe it looks like he didn't answer at all, like God, where are you, you are nowhere, that's how it feels, and, and that can introduce a whole lot of other things, like I said, and, and I think at that point, recognize the danger, and um, there's this expression, nip that thing in the bird, I always thought it was the butt, 
Nee. I always thought it was nip that thing in the butt, and I, I could never quite, like, how do you nip in the butt? Like, literally, your butt? It was like, and then I realized, oh, it's nip that thing in the bird, okay? So, when it's a little bloomicky, like, before it gets fully bloomed and it's creating chaos in your life, as you start to realize there's this little seed, deal with the seed, deal with the moment, go and speak to someone, get some perspective. If your heart's hurting, invite the Lord to come heal it. All right, don't let that thing grow babies. And more flowers. Okay, nip that thing in the bud, all right? Um, I'm not going to speak too much more about this. There's excellent stuff that Charles preached on about a transformed mind, a transformed life. One and two, Lebs' message on stewardship. Sia spoke about prosperity of the soul. There's some excellent teaching to just go and help coach you with, with your thinking, to nip that thing in the bud, all right? But here's what else we can do. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow springs of life. Guard your heart with all diligence. So who is responsible for your heart? You are. Guard your heart with all diligence. All diligence means when I feel that thing creeping up in me, I'm going to nip that thing in the bird. Because nobody else can be accountable for your heart but you. Not your parents, not your, not your favorite teacher, not your hero, not your, not your best buddy. Only you can be responsible for your heart. So guard it. Because from it, flow the springs of life. Everything that is happening is happening from this place on the inside. So be protective of your heart and what's going on in it. Okay? Good. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, but take these thoughts and make them, take them captive, meaning stop them in their tracks, make them obedient to Jesus. God, what are you saying? This thing feels like it's absolutely finishing me. What's your word? I'm going to take whatever's going on and coming at me and I'm going to Make it my captive. I'm, I'm giving it to you, Jesus, and making it obedient to you, meaning I'm taking what you say in its place, that thing's under your feet. Okay? Romans 12, 2, about a transformed mind. I don't need to go more into that. We've heard lots of good teaching. All right, point number three. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Okay. That's an actual scripture. It's not just a heading. <laughs> That was, that was John 16.33. We'll get to it in a minute. But you know what? Bad stuff happens to good people. And this is another place. It's an area that's really difficult to reconcile. How could a God of love allow? <laughs> why? And you know what? We don't have answers to all the why. All the why stuff. Sometimes we're dealing with stuff emotionally because of what we've chosen. Maybe we have an unsurrendered area. But often it's something that's been done to you, to me. And flip, it feels unfair. It's, it's really not fair. Like, why? Why, Larry, why? So we're dealing with fear, insecurity, pride, disappointment, unforgiveness. This is maybe like another area where it can creep in, is when bad stuff happens to good people or it happens to me and I didn't do anything. So yeah, I'll recognize when you did it to yourself and own it and say, Lord, I'm sorry, and just get the breakthrough and move on. Don't camp there. But sometimes it's really hard when it's happened to us. It makes us feel small, we doubt our value. Maybe we're just feeling really, really crushed by this thing. Because you know what, we are human and we feel. It's not, it's not a wrong thing, but it's about what we do with what's going on. We are going to feel, we are going to have to process that looks different for everybody. It's not that that's a bad thing. The problem comes in when we, when we want to be right or justify why it's there. Because then it becomes a don't touch. And the problem is life and people have a way of triggering it Ding. or maybe you get challenged and you realize that your thinking is wrong but that's actually something that you feel is is protecting you 
And so it's really hard to let go of because if I'm wrong, then, then, then what? <laughs> then I actually have to just acknowledge the fact that I've been nursing these things in my heart and I've got a right to have them there because something was done to me, man. And it was really unfair. And it's, it's really, really good for us to actually realize, you know what, I'm wrong because it, it ushers me into a place of humility. And when I'm humble and I can open my heart before the Lord, he can pour in. Because you know what a wall does? Whatever you want to call that, your, your, your protective mechanism. or that, that, keeps, that keeps pain and people from hurting you out, but it keeps other people out, the good guys as well. It keeps the Lord out. Because you know what? He loves you so much, he lets you choose. He loved Adam and Eve so much, he let them choose. And they didn't choose right, but he had made a plan. They exposed themselves to things they shouldn't have and felt shame. They put themselves there, but God had a plan and he covered them and Jesus came and he restored, right? So it's okay to, to realize, hey, I'm actually wrong about this. Whether you feel justified in it or you know it's actually your fault, either way, it's okay to say, you know what, this is not helping. And I can just lay that down and I can invite you in, Lord. I can ask for your opinion on it. Because you know what, when we, when we don't allow that that wall to come down or we don't step off of that place of I'm justified we're actually putting ourselves on on the throne and there's only one who is worthy there's only we cannot stand under the weight of that and that is often what really is some of our biggest difficulty emotionally is because we sit on that throne and we make ourselves judge and we're right about it and our unwillingness to climb off the throne actually puts a pressure on us that we were not designed to carry does this make sense? All right, that is, that is the place for God and God alone. That is the place for God and God alone. And you know what? As we experience these emotions and, and, and things going on, um, it doesn't mean that, that they are meaningless or unimportant or that we become invisible or unseen. You know, oh, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't mean that. But this is where we can bring these things to Him and let Him have the final say. Lord, I am so messed up about this. God, I am so broken. God, I am so disappointed. Lord, this was really, I don't understand. So we feel, but then we go to him and we let him have the final say. Lord, what are you saying to me about my heart, about my situation, about this thing? I think she'll post it on, in the week on the group that it's, we are not called to strive for answers. We are called to strive to be in his rest. And so sometimes we're not going to get the answer as to why, but we can come to him and say, what do you say? And there is such a peace, thank the Lord, it's such a gift that we don't have to be on that throne and that we don't have to be on that place of judge and jury of our hearts or anybody else's. It's a gift to us. Right, so um, when, we, when we invite this in, we are actually saying to us, there in Psalm 23, verse 2 and 3, it speaks about um, a quiet place where you restore my soul. It's a safe place. So restoration is going to happen only with him. Okay, for a lot of these things. Um, all right, so a couple of tools if we know, whoa, okay, I got some of this going on. All right. Big Neil C in this area. Okay. So here are some things you can take a hold of. John 16, 20, uh, 33. 
Um, that's where the scripture comes from in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Other translations speak about be courageous, have courage. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous, I am with you. We'll testify about it this morning. Hey, I'm with you. Be strong, be courageous. Okay, Jesus has taken away the power that the world has to defeat us, and he's conquered it for us. So peace, peace is resting in that place. So yes, this thing has happened, but it does not have the power to conquer me and to overcome me and overwhelm me unless I let it. Okay, but I can go to the Lord with the intensity of my struggle and my pain, and I can say, what do you say? Here I am. Not, <laughs> okay, which brings me to my next point. Um, number four, mystery and tension. Mystery and tension. Living in mystery and living in tension. So let me just explain. <laughs> so, so mystery is where we just don't have an explanation. Oftentimes, like on the previous point, bad stuff happens to good people. It's one of those things that's a mystery. Um, but they're not all negative, but sometimes living with, I just don't know, I just don't have the answer, and I really want to know, and I really don't know. And the tension of the now and the not yet, Using your brain practically, but allowing the thoughts of Christ to influence you. And sometimes living in this place of, you know, God's, God's given me a word, but it hasn't come to pass yet. Maybe, maybe the tension is timing. So living with what we can't understand or explain and what, what our brain can't, can't take a hold of because that's just a lot of what the kingdom is. The kingdom is upside down. It doesn't always make sense. And sometimes that's where we come a little bit unstuck. Like we have, we have whys that don't get answered and it stirs a bit of a faith crisis. And so the things we hear from the Lord on the, on the mountaintop, we get down into the valley and it starts getting really hard. And we start to renegotiate what we heard. Why? Because we have to have an explanation for why it didn't work. Whatever that might be. I prayed for someone to get healed and they didn't. And God, you said in your word that pray for the sick and they will recover. Lord, why did this not happen? That's just an example. And we live with this why. And so we get this word from the Lord, but then we're in the struggle. And then all of a sudden we have to try and explain it. So we start to water it down. No, but maybe, but maybe, but maybe. Okay. And in that, in that place, we never quite find the table that's prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. Because our enemies are the things that come at us like the doubt, the fear, the confusion, the whys. And at that place, the Lord has prepared a table for us when we don't have an answer, when we are crushed by pain. Whatever it might be, the Lord has a table where he's like saying, look at, look at what's around you trying to come at you and intimidate you and mock you and steal from you. No, no, no. I have a place where you can find peace. I have a place where you can actually be restored. Even while these things are in the midst of all the stuff that's happening, there's a place for you with me. Um, sometimes the Lord might just answer our prayer in the form of we ask for a tree and God gives us an acorn. Lord, I want a whatever. Maybe you want something or you want someone and the Lord knows, wow, but if I give you what you want, it's going to destroy you. You're not ready for this yet. And in his good-hearted fatherness, he gives us the little seed form of what we prayed for. And I was like, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> but in the process of growing that seed and caring for that seed, be it a relationship, be it, be it classes you wanted to attend or something you wanted to own, and, and it's just not there yet, the Lord is actually coaching your heart and preparing you for when it actually does come because he's a good father. But we pray and we get an acorn and we're like... Then we go looking for another explanation. Nielsie, Nielsie, Nielsie. Okay, bad move. All right. 
We want his spirit, not our mind, okay? We are almost done. So, so there's one thing. Just a, another thing I feel to just chuck in here. Sometimes, sometimes we've got dreams in our hearts and they just haven't emerged. Nothing's happened. <laughs> that seed is still in the soil. And you know what? Let it stay in the soil long enough until it... Because something actually has to crack for that plant to come out of it. And sometimes we just bury the seed and then we dig it up. What? And then we bury it. What? Oh my word, it just it hasn't sprouted yet. But that seed has to die. And if we're not okay without that thing, we're going to worship it more than Jesus. Like I said just now, we're going to think about that thing and think about that thing. And that's meditating. That's practicing. That's partnering. You know, and I make it my focus and I turn it into an idol. And then we go back to step one. <gasps> Don't do that, okay? Don't be a Nielsi, okay? Um, so there's a couple of things that we, that we can sort of touch. I'm not touching on everything, on every point. I know just what I felt the Lord laid on my heart. So the thing of mystery and tension that you're living with um, and you just don't know how, your mind's not meant to understand everything. We will not always understand and we will not always have answers and even sometimes the answers will not make sense and be okay with that. All right, let's declare. Even if I don't know, I'm still loved. Even if I don't know, I'm still worthy. And even if I don't know, my safety and security don't depend on me knowing. So I am okay. All right, practicing you are God and I am not. You are all knowing and I am not. You are on the throne and I'm not. Thank you for the relief of knowing that, Lord. Can just take a lot of the pressure off. Okay, precious. Okay. So yeah, I think what also really helps in 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 our seasons of, but Lord, this is really hard. What I don't understand is just to ask Him, what are you doing in my life, God? What are you doing in my life? He might not tell you exactly where you're going or answer the prayer you prayed, but it's good to know what He's doing in your life. So. Um, Earlier on in the year, I was just processing through some things, and the Lord gave me Joshua 1 verse 9, Be strong and courageous, for I am with you. And he was reminding me that my strength and my courage came from his presence. And, and, and it's like I know that I've walked with the Lord for a long time, but that was just something fresh to me then. And then there was a new season sort of emerging, and I'm like, oh Lord, I don't know how to get through the next season. It almost feels as if, like being strong and courageous is not quite what's what's getting me through what what's lying ahead. It, it just feels like I need something new. And he said to me, "But Candice, you you have my peace and my protection." But it was almost like the Lord was saying, "You have to choose to walk in it." But that's what's going to get you through the next season. So I I have a good idea what the Lord's doing in my life. I don't know all the detail, but I know that His word to me for right now is, "You have my peace and my protection," and I can work with that. I can say, "Thank you, Lord." Every time it's. Thank you for your peace and your protection, Lord. So ask him what he's doing. If you don't know, just talk with somebody that's maybe mentoring you, that, you, that, that you're walking a road with, mom or dad. Just ask someone, hey, pray with me. I'm really struggling to understand what God's busy doing in my life. And I just want to say that, um, and I'm going to land, that I know the Lord is really calling us to a place of living in the Spirit, not just from the Spirit. Oh, I have to pray for someone for healing. Let me quickly get some faith. Ah, pray, disperse. Wow, they were healed. That was awesome. Or maybe um, I just need faith to trust the Lord for a financial breakthrough. Yes, and Lord, you came through. And let's live on every impulse of the Spirit. 
not just Lord I need so you know that's good practice but doing that's like sort of saying oh Lord I need healing for my backache and my knee ache and my and my sprained toe he wants us to live in health he will he will heal us because he's good and he wants to and he said he would but he wants us living in health he wants us living in his spirit not just popping there for a little pantry item that we need in in the moment he wants us to live from his spirit okay and i really believe that's why we are experiencing a stretching beyond what we are comfortable with is because he wants us to learn how to draw from his spirit within us all right what was that scripture that we read earlier we are joined to christ and we inherit all that he is and all that he has and you know what we can struggle because we are doing doing this and trying to figure it all out from this space and we were not designed to do that so break the mold lift the roof off and say father thank you for the new season i'm walking into with you with your spirit that i can grow and mature and not be struggling with my flesh right so we're just checking in with him lord have i maybe put something before you lord did i did i you know did one of my values get a little damaged and i'm it's not where it should be in you lord is there is there something that's happened that's just really rattled my heart am i living with something i don't understand or don't have an answer to it's just a check and holy spirit would you show me where my heart's at and lead me out of that place heal it and restore it but lead me beyond lead me into all that you have me for right because we don't want to go we're not going to fix what's wrong by looking at the wrong thing the whole time trust me i know I did music in high school and certain exams and I Stedfords would come up and then we'd have to practice these scales and then every time I'd make a mistake I'd stop and then I'd practice to that point and eventually my mom would say okay my girlie that's you, you can do the next one and then my brother was like earphones oh this was the 90s earphones you had earphones on not in in the 90s right so i drove my family crazy because i would focus on the wrong thing and just try and fix the wrong thing the whole time and that's still something i've got to be careful not to do in my life but we're not going to get fixed what's wrong by focusing on the wrong okay we go there we let the lord help us sort it out but lord what are you calling us to it's like when you learn how to ride a bicycle you look at the horizon and you start to pedal you don't look here because then you okay that's where you crash So get your eyes on what the Lord is calling you to, who you, who he has called you to be and grow to that place. And just ask him anything anything that's an obstacle, you just show me Holy Spirit work it through with me. I'm going forward because that's really the season that he has us in. And we are powerful, we get to choose. And I leave this thought with you again, what are you practicing? Do yourself a favor and go and read Romans 8 again and again and just let it really speak to you about who you are. Abba Father that's enfolded you. We're not sitting as orphans trying to figure it out all by ourselves. No, we have an amazing Father who's got more for us than we could possibly imagine, and He's made available to us everything that we need and more. We have access to Him. We have access to His heart, His thoughts, and His mind. So good. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that we that we get to journey with you, and that we don't have to sit on the throne and have it all figured out. Thank you. Thank you that we can come to you and just have you restore us and strengthen us, make us whole, make us innocent again, Lord. Thank you that we can come and just lay at your feet these things that you've been speaking to us about in our heart and that you are kind enough and good enough to put your finger on it, Lord, because your grace is here to help us work it through and step into the more. And we say yes, Lord. We say thank you, Lord. 
and we say, help us to practice accessing all that we have and all that we are in you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.